Hi, it's Kiffin LeBates here, and I've had so many requests to make a video explaining the recent OpenSea NFT thefts that I thought I would head out into a storm and do so. Now, to begin with, I have to make it clear that I have not dug through every single line of code and worked out exactly how the uh, attack functioned, but I've got a pretty good overview, and it also offers a great opportunity to explain some of the things that you find in the DeFi and NFT world. To begin with, I don't think OpenSea is specifically to blame here, so that's a turn up for the books because normally they are. And there are a whole bunch of different design decisions that we made over the years in Ethereum that have led to this attack becoming possible. So we'll start with the first thing, which is the Wyvern protocol. And the Wyvern protocol is uh, effectively a decentralized exchange for all sorts of types of tokens, not just ERC-20s like Uniswap or SushiSwap offers, but NFTs. And because it's a decentralized exchange, what it uses is things called atomic exchanges. The idea is that the token that you put up for sale, say an NFT of a picture of a monkey, is only handed to the buyer on the guarantee that the buyer's payment gets back to you. If either of those things fails, then the whole transaction fails and it's as if it never happened. And uh, you know these atomic exchanges are pretty effective. But there is a problem that smart contracts have, which is that they're not like ordinary users or externally owned accounts, as they're called. And they can't independently take action. Something has to trigger the action. And in particular, this means that you can't just send an NFT to a contract. And the reason for that is that uh, sending an NFT or transferring an NFT involves going to the ledger in an NFT smart contract and changing an entry that has your address in it against a token to the address of somebody else. So the transfer is actually taking place within the contract of the NFT. And a smart contract outside of that contract doesn't know if such an exchange has happened. So that means that if you send an NFT to a smart contract, normally what will happen is it doesn't know it's there and it will just get locked up there. But a design decision that was made is to have two ways of handling the transfer of tokens, both fungible and non-fungible as it happens. So this applies to ERC-20, ERC-721, and the hybrid of the two, namely ERC-1155. And these standards all allow for two types of transfer. One is kind of an active transfer where you send your NFT or your bunch of fungible tokens to another address and this is a transfer, and the other one uses something called approvals. And what you do with that is you give some other account permission to undertake a transfer for you. So that's a bit like me giving power of attorney and control of my bank account to my accountants so that after they've calculated how much tax I owe the government at the end of each month, they don't have to tell me the number and then I go and make the payment my accountants do that for me. I've given them approval to spend money out of my company bank account. And the same kind of principle applies to ERC-20 and ERC-721 and ERC-1155 in that you can give approval to another account or even a smart contract to do a transfer for you. 
And that then triggers awareness in a smart contract that it now has control over an NFT and going back to this Wyvern protocol by approving the Wyvern protocol to uh, perform token transfers of your board apes or your crypto punks or whatever, um, that allows it to know that it can now list that token for sale and people can go and offer to buy it with Ether. And if they, they're paying enough Ether, then this atomic exchange happens and your CryptoPunk disappears from your wallet, appears in somebody else's wallet, and their Ether disappears from their wallet and appears in yours. So all very well and good. But of course, this does involve a risk because you are giving control of your assets to somebody else. And in fact, one of the problems is that each of these approvals has a gas fee associated with it. So typically, when you go to a smart contract and give it an approval, people tend to go for unlimited amounts. So for example, they'll give a contract permission to spend as much Ether as the uh, smart contract needs to without an upper cap. Or they'll give permission for all tokens in a particular NFT contract to be under the control of a smart contract rather just one particular board ape so let's say for some crazy reason you've collected 20 of them well why not just do one approval for all 20 and then you can list them over time as you feel like and not have to do 20 separate approvals so you can see there that there will be a risk however so we've kind of covered the first side of things here the next thing to understand is off-chain signing now, you've probably encountered that when you've used MetaMask to log into a website in a Web3 kind of way, which is that the website sends a challenge, which is a sort of random string, and MetaMask pops up and you click sign, and the website can then check that only the person with the private key could sign that challenge, and therefore they know that the public key is indeed you, and now they let you into your account. Your public key becomes kind of your username for the website. <clears throat> but that's not the only kind of signing there can be. Another thing that you can do is you can sign a transaction off-chain that can then be used by another party to fulfill the transaction. And this is used to allow gasless, from the perspective of the users, uh, point of view, gasless transactions. And an example of this recently was, for example, that um, Sandbox decided to migrate all their land tokens from a buggy old NFT contract to a shiny new less buggy contract. And of course, trying to get all your tens of thousands of token holders to spend gas to destroy their old token and create a new one is not going to fly. So what they did was they offered the opportunity for you to sign a transaction to create a new token on the new contract and destroy your old token in the process. And they put that up on their website and they advertised it on Discord. And fortunately for them, there weren't any phishing attacks to try and subvert this process. So the way you can look at this uh, digital signing is it's like giving Rather than you going to the lumber uh, yard to get some wood for your apartment renovation, you give your builder a check for the lumber and he or she goes off to the lumber yard, collects the wood, hands over your check on your behalf to the guy running the lumber yard and comes back with the wood. But there is a problem with digital signing in that when MetaMask pops up with something for you to sign, it's often incomprehensible. and. Uh, there is an EIP, uh, an Ethereum Improvement um, 
protocol? I can't remember. Proposal, that's it. Um, that tried to make these more readable because initially they used to just pop up a whole load of hexadecimal uh, characters. And nobody just looking at a string of 1s, 3s, 5s, A's, F's and B's can know what on earth that thing is going to do when you sign it. So the idea was to present something a bit more meaningful. But for most people, the more meaningful thing that is presented still isn't particularly meaningful because it's a human readable data structure. And the world is not full of people who can look at data structures and say, oh, I know exactly what's going on now. I am going to sign that or I'm not going to sign that. So anyway, this is the second side of the problem, which is these off-chain signing of transactions that can then be used on-chain by somebody else. And now we come to the third part, which is that in the OpenSea NFT stealing case, the attacker tricked people into signing what was the equivalent of a blank check. So that's like a guy turning up at your house saying, I see, you know, I'm the builder. I see that we need more wood for the apartment renovation. Can you give me a blank check? Because I don't know how much it's going to cost. And I'll go down to the lumber yard and get the wood for you. And if you aren't careful and you go, yeah, sure, here's a blank check. I've signed it. Take it away. Look forward to seeing you coming back with the wood. And they go off. And instead of buying the amount of wood you need and coming back with it, they buy the entire lumber yard and sell it on and you never see them again. So that is at its core what happened in the uh, OpenSea NFT theft that happened from what I can tell. And they did this in a kind of strange roundabout way and it involved another contract that they actually deployed about 30 days ago or so. But fundamentally, they got people to sign blank checks. Now, how did they manage this? Well, it turns out that OpenSea was migrating their Wyvern protocol contract, their auctioning smart contract um, recently. And that meant that the uh, attacker had to strike because they'd managed to trick a whole bunch of people into signing these blank checks. And the attacker tricked people into signing these blank checks through a common or garden phishing attack. They sent out emails to people that looked exactly like they'd come from OpenSea, had the right logo, had the right kind of text. Some people clicked on the link in the email and got taken to a website that looked like the OpenSea website. And then that website popped up a please sign this and the people went ahead and clicked sign and that created the blank checks that the attacker could then use. So as you can see, we have a whole combination of things that happened in order to enable this attack. And you have to have quite a deep level of knowledge to be able to break down each and every step. And as I said, I'm not 100% convinced that this is what happened, but to me, it looks like the most convincing and plausible explanation. And it just reveals some of the instabilities in the structure of this ecosystem at the moment. And it is just being exacerbated by the fact that um, there is such an influx of people thanks to the popularity of NFTs, who have no real understanding of what is going on, what they're actually doing when they're clicking various buttons. And uh, as a result, we're seeing thefts and chaos. So uh, you would hope that the companies at the vanguard of this whole movement would be putting a lot of effort into ensuring that um, people who are new to it are protected. Unfortunately, I don't think 
quite enough effort is going into this and we're still very much actually at the stage where you do need to be a bit of an expert in order to safely navigate through all these risks in order to get the rewards but anyway there you go that's an explanation of what i think happened in the recent nft thefts um, and in the process we looked at um, exchange protocols we looked at approvals for tokens we looked at off-chain signing and the risks that that has personally i would be very very wary of signing any off-chain uh, transaction unless you really know what you're doing and finally a brief discussion about fishing and uh, that's it for today hope you found it interesting and i'll see you in the next video soon bye for now